0: Welcome to the second part of this interview with Jeff Chadwick, and we're just going to jump right back in, and uh, we think that there are more great things ahead, so thanks for joining us again. Okay, so sorry, back to the inn, the, the or so-called well, inn,
1: yeah.
2: first of all, uh, it says there was no room for them in the inn. The Joseph Smith translation, I think, adds a, a plural to that, which is fine. It, in Greek, it's singular. And either way, it doesn't matter. the The word there is, is uh, 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 "katalumat," uh, kataluma or "katalumati," and uh, the the meaning is a guest chamber,
1: mm-hmm.
2: a guest room. Um, the you didn't have hotels or motels or inns in little towns like Bethlehem. that that great big notion of a caravanserai right uh, a, a yeah. caravan a caravan hotel uh, those actually may have existed in some very large areas but there wouldn't have been one at bethlehem That's it wasn't a, it wasn't a caravan stop and uh, you and i have visited that big uh, caravanserai uh from the uh, medieval period in uh, in akko right yeah. So, oh yeah. The lower room for the, the animals and an upper room for the for the patrons and it's there's a big central courtyard. And when when 19th century New Testament writers would go to uh, say like Frederick Farrar for example would go to Palestine and would see those things they'd imagine that that's what was in Bethlehem, you know, with a with an upper and lower room and and a place for the animals out in the courtyard and that. There was no room in an upper Cataluma for Joseph and Mary, so they had to be down when the animals were. That's why a manger was there. That's all actually to be very kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, just not what would have been in Bethlehem. They didn't have those caravansaries and the kind the, the kind that um, that Frederick Farrar saw uh, or Alfred Adersheim would have been familiar with didn't even exist in Judea of that era.
0: Yeah. And but, it's certainly not in Bethlehem, which isn't as small as Nazareth, but it's still a small place. And no, close to Jerusalem. Close. You just keep going to Jerusalem if you're at Bethlehem. But
2: Yeah, yeah. But the, the thing is that, that people did have rooms yes. in their homes, I mean, homes that they would have available for guests. And Family was important in being hospitable first, to
0: family. Yeah,
2: right. But but if, if the room was spare, you could get a room in some places if you were passing through. And this seems to be what Joseph had desired for Mary was... Uh, a guest room, which would be a more comfortable situation. But there simply wasn't one when her day came. By the way, I think they'd been there as as long as four months prior to the birth. I'm going to come back to that. But when the time came for them to bear, uh, there was simply no available Cataluma. And so she has to bear um, where they were and the child is laid in a manger. Now, where were they? Uh, the oldest tradition, which I think is correct, is in a cave, yeah. in a grotto, a, a grotto with an opening toward the open air um, uh, on the very southern outskirts of what would have been Bethlehem town at that time, with a very southeast scarp overlooking the wilderness, uh, overlooking the wilderness to the east. They would have been able to see out to the east a, a place called the Herodian, mm-hmm. a cone shaped, uh, artificially shaped hill where Herod had a grand country mm-hmm. residence. Um, but what were they doing out there? Not in the center of the city, you know, or closer, you closer know, to, uh, to where there were more houses. And such. It is my supposition, and it is a supposition, but I think it's a logical one. That they were building a house, yeah. That, that they had they had left Nazareth immediately after getting married, probably toward the end of Mary's fifth month, uh, or, or maybe even during Mary's fifth month of of pregnancy, just when it would be impossible to not notice. Uh, at, but also at a, at a point where it's not impossible. To walk a hundred
1: miles,
2: yeah, especially with the assistance of of a donkey. Uh, although I'd rather walk than ride a donkey. So right. yeah. Yes. yeah. Uh, but uh, so this idea, at least in my mind, Carrie, of the the young couple Joseph and Mary arriving literally a day or two in Bethlehem before she's going to give birth and desperately searching for an inn to stay in, and there not being one is also part of the tradition that's not real. I think that knowing they had to go to Bethlehem, they moved immediately. And
0: again, if they're trying to escape this uh, uh, stigma, stigma. that would make sense. You just
2: go right away. Right. But then they go to Bethlehem, and, and what do they do? I assume that the reason Joseph is able to marry at this point is that he saved some money. He's probably anywhere from five to eight years older than Mary, okay? Uh, If she's 17, I imagine him as 25. Some people have imagined older, but I don't think so. Uh, I I know something about the culture then. And uh, a young man uh, would want to be married in his 20s. And he'd been working for a long time. He was a a well-taught Mason for sure. He was a carpenter, uh, a tecton in Greek. Yeah, yeah, and, builder, uh, yeah. When He would have saved up a dowry. He would have saved up a dowry. Uh, and, and that dowry, you know, is usually said to be paid to the parents, but uh, that's not really so much the case. In, in most society, the dowry, uh, which is uh, the notion of being given to the parents, is then bestowed by the parent upon the bride.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, it's,
2: it's so the it, bride can be taken care of. The dowry is raised so that you can start marriage with something. And so he was ready with some money. When they left Nazareth to go and register in Bethlehem, uh, I suppose with a fair amount of certainty, the first thing they did was look for a place to build because they want to live there. And there wasn't a real estate market. People didn't buy and sell houses in the day that we do now. I mean, we know people bought and sold houses, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't done in the way we do it today. Uh, places where you lived were places where families had lived for for centuries, and there wouldn't have been a robust, available house market uh, that Joseph could have taken advantage of in Bethlehem. You know, there wasn't any Century Twenty One there yeah. to help out. And besides that, if there's one thing Joseph can do, because he's a tectone, because he's a builder. He can build a house. Yeah. And what you need to build a house is everywhere. Stone.
0: Yep. Yeah. It's not hard. You don't have to go out and buy
2: wood or whatever else there's stone everywhere. What what he needs is a place to build. And so I imagine that upon arriving in Bethlehem and maybe staying in a Cataluma for a, a, uh, a, a few nights, uh, upon arriving maybe in July or so, um, what i imagine is that they they got some property and they got property that is available which would have been away from the center of the village some property that was closer to a a more open area and and that would mean that if you buy that property um you can build on it and stone is available because it's not in a built-up area so i imagine that joseph bought a dunham uh you know um uh, a quarter acre parcel. Yeah. Yeah. And that he began to build a house now. So what's with the cave? Well, you know, as well as I do that, the cave, that the, the limestone hillsides of Judea are popped with natural caves everywhere. It's a Cenomanian limestone structure and there are caves everywhere. They just occur naturally. Yep. And so I'm pretty sure that on Joseph's property were a couple of caves and you know what couple of caves I think they were, the Grotto of the Nativity and the Milk Grotto. No. Uh, but uh, they choose one. And this, I think, would have been the Grotto of the Nativity. And they're going to live in that cave while Joseph is building a house. And so they buy this land and they start. It's, it's summer when they get there. They set up house in, in a grotto with, with an opening to the outside. And Joseph begins to build the house very close to the grotto. That's
0: that's common to have your house by the cave that you'll use for other purposes because because
2: they're they're not that great, actually, for for stabling, contrary to what some people say, Uh, because um, uh, animals um, get hurt in rough situations, But what they are great for is storage. Mm they're great for uh, all kinds of things that you want to store in a constant temperature, whether it's wine, whether it's foodstuffs you're saving over. Yeah, grain, yeah. Apples, for example, are, mm. are, and apples they have. Um, grapes don't last, but, you know, wine does. And, and, and you can make them raisins and, and also stores of wheat do yeah. much better in, in, in a cave or, store. Or there. barley, yeah. So, so, yeah, having a cave there is great. But the cave is best because they can live in it while you're building the house. Now, how many times have, have you seen, and I see it all the time in Utah, that someone will buy some land in a rural area and live in a trailer while they're building the house? Yep. And by the way, and this goes back to before I knew you very well, going back to the 80s, I knew a family, a Palestinian family, that was living in a cave in Sheikh Jarrah in what's called Shimon HaTzadik. Um, the little kind of a, uh, um, a depression area there um, uh, that, that that is still not very well settled right there in the middle of Jerusalem. And there was a natural cave there. And one time in the eighties, I noticed there's a Palestinian family living there. And I thought, oh, this poor family. There were like electrical cords going into this cave from a building that was nearby. And as I went down and they're just curious, I noticed that the the family had tables in there, a couch in there. There was a television set in there. There were fans in there. There was a refrigerator in there. They were living there. And when they asked what I was doing there, I said, I just was wondering why you're living in a cave. And he smiled and said, oh, that's my house I'm building right over there. And this is in the middle of Jerusalem.
1: And
2: so that be. Got me to thinking okay so maybe living in a cave is so impossible i'm pretty sure that joseph and mary were were living in what would be temporary circumstances in this grotto while joseph is building a house and here's the deal when december comes around it's been four months since they've arrived in bethlehem if if my my timing is correct Uh, the house isn't done the walls are probably up and you know but Maybe the roof's not on or whatever, and they're still living in the grotto. And in order that that, that Mary might have a more comfortable place than the grotto to deliver, Joseph seeks a Cataluma, a guest house in town, but none's available. So she births in the grotto, and the babe is laid in a manger. I'm pretty sure that Joseph would have had a trough or two carved out of stone. In fact, that would have been the first thing he would have done because they almost certainly came to Bethlehem with a donkey. Uh they would have packed what they had and brought it with them from, from Nazareth. But secondly, they would probably have obtained a goat or two because they're good for milk. They may have had some chickens. Right? Um, they may even have a little a little dove coat uh, outside. So maybe they could get doves eggs as well. There wouldn't have been any camels, and I doubt they owned a cow. They were far too expensive, and don't they don't do well in Bethlehem. Goats were better, and so maybe he had a low manger, a a low trough, and a high trough. One a little bit bigger and taller for the donkey, and one a little bit lower for the goat. But a stone trough was available to be used because you have to get water to those animals right away. You can't wait on that. No, they have to be watered every day, fresh every yeah. day, but it, which was probably what Mary got to do. She probably got to go. There are, by the way, springs right there mm-hmm. on in what we call the major square area. Mm-hmm. So she didn't have to go into David's well in the center of town to get water. Right. In fact, that might have been one of the things that was good about Joseph's land is it might have had a little water on. It. Yeah. Um, but now, of course, it's part of the Bethlehem water supply. But, uh, but they had what they needed. And, uh, but there in, in a dry stone trough Jesus is laid on that night that he's born in a cave that wasn't a stable where they were living. While the house, which wasn't done yet, was still being built. And so you have this very simple uh, nativity scene, if you will, a cave on a December night it's cold outside not freezing but cold the way it would get say if you were in San Diego at, on a winter's mm-hmm. night and inside the cave is lit by a couple of oil lamps those Herodian oil lamps we know because Joseph has carved niches in the cave wall for him. there's a bed there's a there's there are some baskets and chest baskets of their clothing and other belongings there's probably a little clay stove that's been so that they can uh keep their food cook their food and also it offers heat to the inside of the cave but it's a very simple simple setting a couple and a new baby in a dimly lit cave with the babe lying in a manger that's that's your original manger and it's lovely in its simplicity and its faith
0: I I couldn't agree more. Uh,
2: That's how
0: I have come to picture Chris. I still love all of my nativity sets that I have uh, with uh, stables and everything else. And I love all of them. And they all make me feel Christmassy. But when I think about the Savior, the scene you just described, when I think about the, the condescension of God on that night, uh Je- the great jehovah that element of the there there are several elements of the condescension of god as described in nephi's vision but yeah. the, one of them is jehovah being born uh, of a mortal woman as a little baby and in when i think of the simplest of, of circumstances
2: the yep, simplest yeah. of circumstances that's wow.
0: exactly the, the the picture that i i have in my mind
2: now um here, here here's the rest of the story right um When those shepherds are told uh, a mile or so away, out in those fields east of Bethlehem that you and I have taken hundreds of students to and sat with them in the evening and told this story, when those shepherds are visited by the angel that tells them to go over to Bethlehem and look for a babe in a water trough, that's a pretty specific sign. There's not going to be another baby in town laying in a stone manger. Yeah. So, uh, but they don't know any more than that. You know, they don't have an address. It's not on Google Maps for them. (laughs) So, when they arrive in Bethlehem in the middle of the night, and they didn't bring their sheep with them, okay? But they they go up the hill from, from those fields that are much lower, they go up the hill into Bethlehem. And they're going from house to house waking people up in the middle of a winter night saying you have to have a baby lying in a in a, in a in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, a trough and I can imagine people being very perturbed at this
1: yeah
2: until the shepherds tell them we've been told by an angel that the child we're seeking will be the Messiah And so what I imagine is that some people said, oh, you're crazy. But other people said, really? Really? But I can imagine them waking everybody up in the village because they would have gone to the more populous part of the village before going to the outskirts. And so it's only maybe after someone tells them, well, there's this new couple that lives to the south of here, uh, you know, another uh, 300 meters. And they, they, she was about to have a baby. And so when they finally get there after waking a lot of people up and see the child in a manger, they know. I imagine that Joseph and Mary are, at first are very alarmed and suspicious at this. But when they say, oh, an angel told us to look for a, a baby in manger, they've had enough experience with angels to know <laughs> that it's okay. And after the visit, notice what it says in Luke 2, right? Um, Luke 2, uh, 17, those shepherds, when they had seen it, made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. It means they went back into town and told people that they'd roused it up. We found him. We found him. We found him. And verse 18 says, all they that heard it wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherd. So Bethlehem, all of a sudden in the early hours, is abuzz with these shepherds who have come back and said, we have found the child. The angel told us was the Messiah. And what I imagine is, is that Joseph and Mary got quite a few visits mm. the next morning. Mm. I
0: hadn't days. thought of that, but that would make sense.
2: I imagine then that they got visits for days and days afterward of people bringing food, bringing napkins, you know, bringing other things this couple would need. Um, uh, you know, when it says in verse 19, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I wonder if that included uh, an effusive uh, interest by by the neighborhood isn't it amazing what if you look at the text and put it into real circumstances what would people do in this circumstance especially when we now know this that the shepherds told them they'd found the child wouldn't you go see him yeah yeah so uh yeah now back up just a little bit back in matthew 2 when we read that jesus was born in the days of herod the Great. And that these magi, right, these wise men come seeking Jesus and they visit with Herod in Jerusalem. Herod doesn't know anything, so he asks the Jewish scholars who say Bethlehem. And so uh the, the wise men come to Bethlehem. So, and and they find they find the, the the family in a house, it said in Matthew, in the mm-hmm. house, and they take out their gifts and worship. So the House is done, yeah. By the time the wise men are there, I imagine the house was done within a month yeah. of Jesus' birth. Um, and what I imagine there is that all of a sudden Joseph might have had a lot of people willing to help get that
0: roof on and kind of kick it into gear and get it going, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, but uh. Uh, but this then this then begs the whole deal of the wise men. So just to finish up Luke 2, a couple of more things happen. Eight days later, Jesus is circumcised and given the name. And Joseph names him Yeshua, Jesus. So that's a week. Uh, five more weeks pass. So that six weeks in all, 40 days. And they take the child to the temple in Jerusalem. And... Um, So we're into February now. We're into mid-February, early mid-February. And you know how beautiful February is. The grass is blossoming. The days are warmer. You're going to have temperatures sometimes even as high as the 70s. Sunshiny days amid other days that are raining like crazy on you. Uh, Billions of beautiful wildflowers in the hillside. Red, blue, yellow, white, purple, Orange, white. Yeah. and uh, uh, going to Jerusalem, going up what was finished of the south end stairs, going through the tunnel into the temple, uh, the two uh, doves offered as a as a sacrifice, and then you know, uh, uh, Simeon and Anna and uh, uh, the the wonderful things there. By the way. If I may, that Joseph and Mary offered two doves for Jesus is not an indication of poverty. This is a very common thing that gets taught among us. I've even heard it from pulpits. Just not the case. That was the standard offering for a new child. Uh, The law of Moses uh, stipulates that you could offer an animal for the child, but also to and the stipulation of an animal is something that virtually no one could have afforded, but the most wealthy. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's what
0: I would say is it's an indication that they're not really wealthy. That's,
2: yeah. That's it, what it it's is. an indication that what we can say about them is that they're working class people. They're not yep. poor. By the way, they're not homeless. There's not a point ever in that story until after the wise men leave that they will be homeless okay they're not homeless when they come to bethlehem they uh, are between homes with the intention of getting home which they get very quickly and they're building a new home they're not refugees so the whole idea of being refugees at the time jesus is born is misapplied yeah yeah, they're I mean,
0: a, they're, they're in a way refugees when they go
2: to Egypt. But well, yeah, yeah, but that's that's we 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 haven't come to that. You know, that's yeah, where circumstance yeah. does get them. Okay? Yep. But but up until now, they're not victims of circumstance. And in fact, they've been highly favored, I think. Um, even though they're working class people. And if you're thinking, well, okay, Joseph, uh what what would he have worked at? Well, he is an expert Mason, Mm -hmm. and in addition to building his home in Bethlehem, five Mm -hmm. miles away, that's an hour and a half walk. That's what I commute, by the way, is an hour and a half to the Mm -hmm. I live in Weber County. I don't live in Utah County. People say, my goodness, that's a long commute. I say, that's my short commute, because my other commute is a flight to Yeah, That's Uh, right.
0: Uh, and I used to live in Southern California for a lot of people that would be a short commute still.
2: So yeah. anyway, yeah. But the biggest building project in the world, which needed skilled stonemasons, was going on as the complex of the Temple of Herod was was still underway and would be underway for, for decades to come. I'm absolutely certain Joseph worked on the Temple of Herod. Absolutely certain. That, yeah, uh, it because it that's would just what naturally followed he, follow. he could make two dinars a day, okay, uh, as a skilled mason. And that's enough to live on. Um, so, uh, and that's also enough, along with the, the gold that the wise men had brought to finance what would be their flight to Egypt. Yeah. So uh, after 40 days, they go to the temple And then it's not long after that that I imagine the wise men arriving. I know people uh, are very tuned in to the wise men not coming for two years later, but I'm certain that's not correct. And I'm certain that they were there by the end of February. And that by the end of February, Joseph and Mary have had to leave their new house in Nazareth, pardon me, in Bethlehem. And to flee to Egypt to keep themselves safe.
0: Yeah, I, I, th- it makes sense to me. And if yeah. if we talk about that Egypt trip, maybe I could just speculate on that for a minute. Um, yeah, well, you're a, you're an Egyptian guy, so I would have <laughs> expected you to have something to say yeah. about this. Let's go. Well, and and people ask about it all the time. Of course, we don't know. If you go to Egypt today, there are like 200 or more places that have a tradition that, well, Jesus, baby Jesus was here and this miracle happened or something. But in fact, we have no idea where he went in Egypt. But if I put myself in their shoes, I would think what I want is to find a Jewish community to live with. That makes it easier to keep kosher laws, to go to synagogue, all these things that you would want to do. And so I've done a lot of study about where are Jewish communities at the time. It can only be one
2: place, get it.
0: Yeah, well, well, there are actually a, a number, but I so it kind of depends. So I now I'm curious to see what you say. But there, there, if you there were are a stonemason
2: looking for building
0: projects and a Jewish community. Where would you go? Yeah, that's exactly right. There's a, a Jewish community right uh, very soon after you enter into Egypt along the the delta. Um, uh, coming in on that uh, eastern side, the northeastern side, coming in where you would from Israel, where there's h- huge building projects at the time, uh, right there in that northeastern uh, delta area. So I don't know ah, if that's where you're thinking. Okay, but... so
2: you and so you and I actually think a different area. Okay.
0: Okay, so yeah, I'm not sure where you were thinking, but I uh, was thinking eastern... Alexandria. Well, that is possible. Alexandria had a huge giant, Jewish population. There is a giant So, So that's the question. And I have thought of that. The question is did they just go to where it was easiest and they get to a Jewish community um, there uh, on the, the Eastern uh, Pelusiak uh, branch there? Uh, and say, okay, we found a Jewish community and we're done, or did they go to where the largest Jewish community is with uh, uh, tons of buildings, like tons and tons and tons of building, uh, and that would be Alexandria, right? Yeah. So that's the, that's that's in. on the other side of
2: the, yeah, that's on the, of oh, that's the that's Delta. That's on the western side of the Delta, yeah. Yeah, I'd so they would thought, have to travel there. I'd always thought, you know, you and I have been to Cairo, and we've been down to uh, the the old quarter there where they have all those traditions in Cairo. And I don't imagine that that's a a possibility really. Uh, But if I look to a couple that, you know, is wants to disappear. Um, uh, Alexandria is a good place to disappear uh, among lots and lots and lots of Jews with lots of building projects going on. So uh, that's a good point. So there there are a couple of ways to be sure about Alexandria, but, but that's one of the places I would have thought would be most logical. I it makes sense.
0: Um, I I think you can disappear it's also further
2: away from Herod
0: that is true, which is nice and it's and it's a place that um that that uh, Caesar has his eye on and Herod's going to have to stay out of yeah, right yeah. Herod's not Herod's no way Herod can go into Alexandria. Well, I think Egypt uh, is,
2: is safe no matter where they would have gone in terms of Herod's interference. but Herod, you know, and here's the thing, when I modeled his story in Matthew 2, um, I don't think that Herod sent soldiers to Bethlehem. Um, I know this is the way that, it, that it's um, uh, modeled, but I don't think so. Um, first of all, <laughs> Josephus does a very good job chronicling the end months of Herod's life. And everybody that hated him for every bad thing he did, yeah, and there were plenty. There were plenty, but specifically in the last months of his life, there were some uh, some some Jewish men that had rebelled against him, hanging some golden uh, eagles at the Temple Mount. Yeah, and he had them executed, and he had various people executed, and this caused riots. Okay. Uh, And and these executions were well known. Every Jew knew that this had happened, that that this atrocity that Herod had done was well chronicled in the history. In the other Jewish histories, there's no mention of babies being killed by Herod's agents at Bethlehem. And I cannot imagine that if Herod had had this thing done publicly, it wouldn't have been mentioned in Josephus.
1: Yeah, or,
2: or annex some other sources. I think it was a black ops job mm. that Herod had agents that did secret assassinations, mm. secret killings, and that this is how the, the children of Bethlehem, I don't imagine that there would have been more maybe than a dozen or so that were actually killed. Um, but this well, Bethlehem's is, not that big. I actually write a whole chapter about this in stone manger,
1: hmm.
2: uh, that Herod called, uh, in people that he had do his dirtiest work to keep it, uh, you know, uh, strictly yeah. unknown. And, and he did that kind of thing. I, uh, and, and that, that this wouldn't have happened all on one night. It would have been too, um, too, you know, coincidental that 12 babies are killed in a violent way on one night but that it's done over a period of time so that any family that had a baby winds up having a break-in in which the child is killed yeah, and it, it's, it's like it's like it's like made out to be a crime spree in bethlehem that is is horrible but but coincidental and mm-hmm. and only in time only in time Right. Because Joseph and Mary will return to Nazareth and, and say they had to escape from from uh, uh, from Herod. Did the gospel writer Matthew put two and two together mm. Understand, probably through other sources. We know, by the way, that that some people that uh, served in Herod's government became members. Right. Right. Uh, Joanna, the wife of Chusa Herod's servant, Herod's steward, became uh, a follower of Jesus. So yeah. in time, all this old 25, 30-year-old Herodian uh, goings-on would have come out. So Matthew, aware of something that, that Josephus might not have included because he might have considered it a conspiracy theory. Yeah, you know, yeah. Herod. Interesting. That's why I think that this very horrible atrocity in Matthew 2 doesn't show up in Josephus is because there was some question about how it had happened because it wasn't public record. Whereas the executions Herod had made that had caused so much, uh, uh, you know, uh, public dissent in, in his last months were public record and Josephus knew of them. But in any case, I think I think it was a black ops job killing the babies of Bethlehem. And, and I write text. it more fully, but but that's why that's why I think it is real. The scriptures are telling something true, but it doesn't appear in the history. Hmm.
0: I hadn't, uh, and I've read your book, but I still don't remember thinking about that. But uh, yeah, and and maybe just uh, to continue on a little bit with that story uh, for our audience, many of them won't know, but uh, because of uh, both uh, Caesar Julius Caesar's involvement uh, in, in Alexandria, but in, in Egypt, and then uh, Mark Antony's involvement in Egypt. And so Caesar Augustus feels that Egypt is a spot that easily can turn against him, and it's so important because of its grain. Uh, he takes special measures to, to make it a protected area. Uh, I don't know if it's by this time or a few years later, but w- around this time, he'll he'll say no senators can go there and so on. He has a special eye on Egypt, and, and it's a place where, where other people just can't mess around with that. And so it's the perfect – of course, it's the closest place to flee to for Mary and Joseph, but it's also the perfect place to flee to because there's no way – that uh, Herod is going to send anyone to do anything there. And so they can disappear in a little town on that Eastern uh, branch, or they can disappear in the huge groups of Jews over in Alexandria, but one way or the other, they go there and they disappear. And Joseph has uh, work that he can do.
2: Right. And, and I note in verse 13 of Matthew two, that it's God's direction that sends them to Egypt, you know, right. because it right. might've been actually easier to flee somewhere else, like maybe like Moab, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where where Herod uh, didn't hold sway, but but, but and, and again, sends it to Egypt, and you know Matthew finds a a, a prophetic, prophetic fulfillment there. I'd right? out of Egypt if I called my son. Yeah. So at all it's great. Yeah. Um, now there's another why, fun little thing for
0: our audience to think of that uh, modern or well. What uh, where people go for Petra today? Right, it's a big tourist attraction. Indiana Jones uh, and his father go there in the Last Crusade, and so on. But anyway, Southern uh, Jordan, uh, right? Yeah, Southern Southern Jordan um, was at that time. Many of the structures that people go and see today were being built at that time by this group that uh, the the Nabateans that were. uh, There was some tension between them and the Herodian kingdom as well, and so that is a place that he could have gone to. Um, to flee. Well, there were some intermarriages and some tension, and some of it gets worse a little bit after this. But anyway, there—that's a place he could have gone. But as you said, uh, and it probably is easier. But uh, God tells him to go to Egypt. So,
2: right, and and there would have been any number of caravans once once they left uh, Bethlehem, which I think they did in the middle of the night, and they come down uh, the road. They're probably going to go down the Elah, which means they'll pass yeah. Gad, <laughs> right? Yeah, they're going to uh, probably catch a a a, a, a caravan uh that's heading down the coast and going to go across the northern sinai and, and yeah uh, uh, what's well, called uh, the way Gaza, of forest they'll pass through uh, uh el arish they'll pass through pelusium and they'll pass through all yeah. those places that we're familiar with yep. especially in the old days when we used to ride the bus to egypt remember that and yeah. the northern yep, and they area. would go
0: that same way so yeah
2: i uh I, re- I went that way alone one time one year i i uh, had a tour and uh, uh this was in the eighties. I, I took him to Israel. I took him to Egypt and then I sent the tour home and I had to go back to Israel to work. And the way that I did it was to uh, charter a, an Egyptian bus uh, to uh, across the Northern Sinai that left Cairo. So I was all alone, you know, just you and the bus driver, huh? <laughs> well, it was a, a bunch of other people, but oh, okay. mostly weren't tourists. So, until uh, I Went all the way to El Arish, and then you know, all the way to the uh, to the Israeli border at Gaza, crossed over there, and at um, Gaza, at, at Gaza, yeah. This was a while ago, then. Yeah, yeah. so this yeah. was in the eighties, right? Yeah, uh, and then uh, and then of course came uh, came into Israel, and then made my way back up to Jerusalem in the very same way that probably Joseph and Mary did, and so I uh-huh. I'll always remember that traveling on on my own, you know, yeah. relying on someone else's caravan. Yep. Or their bus to to get uh, back to to the Holy Land. Well, if I could just for a moment, let me address this two years and under thing. Okay. First of all, in Matthew 2, we read in verse 1, When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now, there is an immediacy in that passage when he's born the magi come there's no indication in that passage of waiting it's only when you get down to verse 16 uh after joseph and mary have left bethlehem to go to egypt that herod when he saw he was mocked by the wise men was exceeding wrath and sent forth doesn't say his forces right he just and agents and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coasts thereof and notice that not just in the city but in the surrounding area of Bethlehem right because you know this is uh, uh, this goes back to the notion of registration mm-hmm. which, that Bethlehem encloses an area around it uh, from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently acquired the wise men now, that diligently inquired is also over in verse 7. When the wise men visit Jerusalem and visit Herod, and he's saying, what do you mean new king? That's me, I'm the king. He says, he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I'm not sure he got good intelligence from the wise men. <laughs> uh But if he did, okay, it would probably have been that the star had appeared, you know, recently in the last couple of months. So um, when you get over to verse 16, that diligently inquired is a question. Because if he's really found out from the wise men, when the star appeared why is he killing children two years and younger? Yeah. Why not kill the ones just two years old or the ones younger?
0: Yeah, or just the ones one year old or whatever.
2: In other words, Herod really doesn't know when that star appeared or at least what the wise men have given him is not something that he's sure enough of. So rather than this being a time, which points to Jesus, Having been born two years earlier, what it says to me is that Herod is hedging his bet.
1: Yeah,
2: he's simply setting a, uh, a a real upper limit on what the age is that this child could be. And what I suspect is that the child was actually born just eight weeks before, you know, the wise men arrived. Because if they see a sign in the east and i'm assuming they're in babylon or maybe in persia yeah that seems to be our
0: two best candidates
2: i assume they're jews i assume they're jewish mystics which would be the word magi Persian, Mm -hmm. uh and and because how else would they know of a king that would be born of judah
1: Mm -hmm. and
2: that a star would be associated with this i mean because the, the only prophecy about that is, is in Numbers 24, star shall rise out of Judah. Right. And um, how would they know Jewish scripture? Why would they care? Why would it matter to them unless they're Jewish? Yeah. Uh, but this means all kinds of things to them. Now,
0: and there are plenty of Jews in Babylon and Persia, plenty.
2: Now, now you can ask, why don't they know Matthew 5-2? But the one thing about that is that a king would be royalty. And so the first place that they would go is, um, you know, Jerusalem, where the royalty is. Yeah.
1: So
2: uh, I, I don't think that they didn't know Bethlehem, but that probably would not have been the first thing that they would have thought of. Hmm. Um, especially since uh, they're in the winter and they as Jewish mystics, you know, they're a little outside the normative synagogue tradition, I guess is the way to put it. Um, So maybe they hadn't been around the previous summer when the Haftarah from Micah was written, was read or whatever, but, but uh, the immediacy of verse one suggests to me, they came as soon as possible. And what does it take to travel on foot from Babylon or from, Western Persia to Jerusalem. I don't know. It can take six, seven weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's that's the travel time. Um, it's further to then go to Egypt. Okay, it's two weeks to get to Egypt if, if you're traveling every day. But it's yeah. it's three times the distance to go up through up through the Fertile Crescent, especially yeah. from the because it's way in the south of of the Mesopotamian area. And if you're in Persia, it's another week. So. If you see the sign in the east and you're a, 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 a Jewish magush, right? You're a you're a, a Jewish mystic. A actually magi is the word magician.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So Harry Potter fans shouldn't feel bad. There you go.
1: <laughs>
2: these were these these were three wizards coming, I guess. <laughs> um uh but they didn't, you know, have power. They were just hooked into natural phenomena and right, how- studying
0: the stars and
2: Today yeah. we today we would we would we would you know we would call this Kabbalah today. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, so so what 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 they do when they see this sign is they get ready and then they leave. Now how long does it take to get ready for a trip that far? You're going to have to outfit oh, yourself for a few days. A yep. week and, and then and you, you leave.
0: get your gifts. Uh, so, you know, or, uh, how hard was it for them to get the fragrance or whatever? We don't know. But,
2: well, yeah, you can buy that anywhere. You can buy it on the way too. But, but whatever it is, they, they get ready for a week and then they leave. So that six weeks later, right, uh, this will be uh, they'll be arriving in Jerusalem maybe the seventh week after Jesus is born and then come to Bethlehem a day or two after. So it's in Jesus' eighth week of being alive which means he's been circumcised. He went to the temple at six weeks and within 10 days to two weeks, the wise men arrived there and this would be late February and they uh, uh, give their gifts. Joseph becomes alarmed. The wise men are obviously alarmed because they don't go back to Herod. They, they clearly sense that something's wrong. Okay. Um, and so they depart uh, uh, and verse twelve says they were warned of God in a dream. i have I have a uh, I have a suspicion that they shared that alarm with Joseph. Okay. And then Joseph's dream then tells him what to do about it, go to Egypt. right But in any case, um, uh, they leave, and so, By the end of february joseph and mary are leaving their new house that they've invested everything in they're leaving their plans that jesus should grow up in bethlehem and everything they've tried to do is now in 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 danger of being blown to pieces for them and they now are victims of circumstance and they now will become refugees technically seeking refuge somewhere else They'll yeah. probably have they'll probably have some means to do it. The gold would help them, but I imagine they have spent a lot of money getting the house done. So that for Joseph to work in Egypt is going to be uh, a very important factor in their survival. Yeah. Which is why wherever they were along the Med coast there of Egypt, along the Delta coast, there has to have been work for Joseph. Yeah, and then so they're there, and they're safe. And then over the next while. Okay, Uh, babes of Bethlehem one by one are killed by dark agents whom Herod has sent. Mm. Joseph and Mary escape all of this. Um, So that when things are safe again, and by the way, in my book Stone Major, I write what happens. In the aftermath of Herod's death, there were, for six or seven months after Herod's death, terrible military upheavals in Judea and Galilee that ravaged the population. Thousands were killed. And so, Herod's death in 4 BC, uh, in April, uh, you know, a month and a half after. Joseph and Mary would have gone to Egypt wasn't the point at which Joseph and Mary returned. Right. But I suspect that they would have, or that the angel of the advising would have waited until all danger was passed. Now, the key to that is that we see right in uh, verse 22 that Archelaus was reigning. And Archelaus actually solidified his reign after that six or seven months of terror that happened in the spring, summer, and fall of the year 4 BC throughout Judea. So with Archelaus reigning, that's when um, Joseph and Mary make their return because in verse 19, it says, the angel told them, verse 20, He's dead, That's not the child's life. Verse 20, return to the land of Israel. Uh, verse 21, Joseph does so. He takes the mother and the young child, returns to the land of Israel. But verse 22, when they hear that Archelaus is reigning, that tells you it's probably November, December of 4 BC. As at the earliest that they can have been returning. Right. Probably a year
0: from Jesus' birth. And it's probably not that long after Archelaus starts to reign because it seems like it's a little bit of news to them that he's reigning. Yeah,
2: yeah, and and, uh, and I
0: think it it's, it highlights what you were talking about earlier. Their intent was to return to Bethlehem. Yeah, that's because, where they were
2: planning to go, and that's what it says. Uh, they wanted to go back to Judea, but when they hear Archelaus reigns in Judea, uh, and they get the warning from God not to go there, they default to the Galilee and Jesus grows up in Nazareth but it clearly had been their intention to return to Judea and they had to be told not to do it and why did they want to return to Judea because it was their intent to live in Bethlehem go back to that house that they had left and yeah and he probably still technically
0: owns that house oh sure he
2: probably has the deed yeah he probably has the deed Uh, you would you would have the deed and I'm pretty sure that Friends in Bethlehem that they had made during that several months
1: would have
2: seen to it that the house wasn't, you know, uh, appropriate. But in any case, they wind up taking Jesus back to Nazareth. And in this situation, they were the victims of circumstance. But again, it's God's circumstances. Mm -hmm. Because God meant for Jesus to grow up in Nazareth as. You know, uh, and, and here's the deal, Carrie, right? We can think and we can be faithful and be successful in in being anxiously engaged to do what we think needs to be done to bring God's plan to fruition, which is what Mary and Joseph did when they moved to Bethlehem. The baby was born where it was supposed to be. But does it say that the Messiah will grow up in Bethlehem? No. Um. You know, so uh, so so their assumption gets shortchanged by by God's understanding that this child was going to grow up in Nazareth, even though it would be born in Bethlehem.
1: Yeah,
2: and they come to understand that gradually, right? Because Matthew writes in verse twenty-three, he in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. Right? He should be called the Nazarene, but um, uh, they didn't know that going to Bethlehem it's only after the fact that yeah, they can the say oh, hey. again, uh it, it, the intent becomes more clear yeah so yeah um it's 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 a remarkable story and by the way everybody i think by now knows um uh and i talked about this at length uh previously that uh, the Prophecy in verse twenty three is a specific re- reference to Isaiah eleven mm-hmm. and the Netzer, right? That the Jesus would be a Nazaree from Nazareth. Uh, that Jesus would be a Nazarene from Nazareth, and the uh, uh, Netzer in, in Isaiah 11, what is branch. Yeah, he, he's the he's the branch, the Messiah branch. And and then you get that from, phrase being used well, to resist he here because because in, in Greek, of course, the uh, the <laughs> in, in Greek. The, the Nazarene doesn't really translate over to the, the Nets area, yeah. Hebrew Isaiah 11. So a lot of people won't know that that's not a lost scripture. It's just lost in translation here. yeah and but it's, Isaiah 11.1 1 is what's being referred to in, in, um, in uh, Matthew 2.23, along with a couple of passages in, in Jeremiah and Zechariah.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, we get uh, in both of those prophets, they say uh, they talk Isaiah. about a branch. Uh, that is the son of David, or the 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 messianic king, right. and so it, it's a phrase that is associated with the Messiah, which is really interesting because that is what Nazareth means. It's yeah now it's
2: now in now, now in Jeremiah they say Sema and in yeah um, in Zechariah they say Sema, which is a synonym of Netzer, right? It's like yeah. saying branch and limb. Yeah. But uh, but because because Nazareth actually is is derived from the Hebrew word branch, or Netzer. The, yep. the name um, Nazareth
0: means branch. Yep, um, and and I think Jeremiah and Zechariah, while they're using a different word,
2: are drawing on the Isaiah prophecy. Sure, sure, absolutely. But the 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 bottom line is that of all the of all the the the, the branch prophecies in the Old Testament, the one that Isaiah specifically, the one that pardon me, Matthew specifically, a, yeah. to do is Isaiah eleven one. Yeah, I chapter. agree. And so uh, Jesus was a was a, was a was a branch guy, right? a branch, branch. guy. He was a he was a uh, a, a, a Branchvilleite. Yeah, a, there you go. <laughs> Nazarene. Um, interestingly enough, you know, in Hebrew, the way you say Christian is to say notri, Nazarene. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, it, it, it's kind of fun. So so everything worked out as it should. But here again, now Joseph and Mary in Nazareth, back among family, though who must have been glad to receive them and glad to see this beautiful new boy who's now a year old by the time they arrive that they hadn't been able to see before, right? And um, they have family support there. And yeah, people can think that he was conceived before they were married. Let them think what they will. There is a hint, by the way, in John that people actually have, have remembered that 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 it was thought that Jesus was conceived out of wedlock. Right? Um, in, in John, there's that passage where uh, the Sadducees say, "We be not born in fornication." They're clearly yeah. trying to throw that at Jesus. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I suspect that that didn't disappear, but but because of what Luke two says about him growing up in favor of God and man, it's clear that uh, that he had a good childhood in nazareth and that's where he was supposed to be
0: yep well that's good stuff that's it's
2: the traditional christmas story here <laughs> yeah. uh, it wasn't two years old and younger uh, you know jesus the the wise men came to jesus eight weeks after he was born uh it, it wasn't a a wood box full of hay it was a, a stone trough that was used for water uh they weren't looking for a room in a hotel or a motel or an inn they were looking for a guest room but it didn't work and the birth happened in the grotto that they were living in while joseph was building the house that the wise men would find Luke and even though it's a different way of telling the story than we have received through tradition over centuries this is the more real version of the mm-hmm. and to me it's more beautiful and it's more accurate and it's something that 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 shout the scriptures are real
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> i agree i agree in fact that's the perfect place to end uh it, it really does when you look at the the reality of the time and you uh look at the story you know the scriptures are real and uh, maybe it's just a good time to testify that uh, that the great Jehovah did come and was born of a virgin in Bethlehem and
2: literally thank God for that. You know, and as you're doing that, let me point out there are three Christmas stories in the New Testament. One's in Matthew, one's in Luke, but then the most simple and divine one that you just quoted is in John one mm-hmm. john one verse 14 the word was made flesh and dwelt among us yep yep the Great, the great jehovah the god that stood with the father as a pre-mortal jehovah spirit comes to earth and was made flesh and dwelt among us and john One fourteen, we beheld his glory the glory of as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And of that, I bear my testimony with you. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Jeff.
0: I'm so grateful. I I hope that uh, this is helpful for our audience and that if they found it helpful, they'll share it with some other people and that... uh... I think we're off to a great start for this New Testament year and and making the life of the Savior real and powerful in our lives. So thank you, Jeff.
2: You're welcome. It's been great to be with you for two hours. My old deep-voiced friend from (laughs) Jerusalem and beyond will see you on the other side. Sounds good. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, everyone. Yep. Thank you.